Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. We have our Lieutenant Governor, Mark Robinson, with us on the line. And uh, it's been tough to schedule an interview with him. He has been tremendously busy on the primary trail and uh, done a lot of good work and uh, endorsed a lot of people. A lot of elections won. And we trust that November is going to be a good time as well. We're going to be asking him some questions today that uh, we don't always hear from the media, especially in his uh, position and his stand. Um, he takes hard stands that are for truth and right. And we don't always hear the backstory of how he came to stand so firmly. So today I want to ask him some questions about his. <coughs> Christian testimony and uh, how he became a believer and in fact that's the first question so Lieutenant Governor thank you for joining us thank you for taking the time and um, just how did you become a believer in Christ well thank you for having me here today Alan we certainly appreciate it and hello to all the listeners out there uh, well it's uh, uh it's kind of it's kind of strange thing what happened I, I grew up going to church uh my earliest recollections of leaving my house to go anywhere else were going to church and a lot of my early role models uh were at church the first men that i looked up to and wanted to emulate uh people who know my story know that my father had a myriad of problems and uh, the first men that I really looked up to were in the church. And um, But the funny thing is, when I was going to church, and I was baptized in that church as a child, but I never really understood the, the what being saved meant. I never understood it. And uh, it wasn't until I became a young man uh, that a friend of mine called me one night and asked, oh, he actually called me that morning and uh, uh, wanted me to go to church with him at a at a college at a uh, student union and here it is pastor and uh, I did not want to go but I did end up relenting I went and that was the night that I got saved and and, and understood what it meant to be saved uh, and uh, I tell everybody you know I got saved at that church that night but uh, that was simply the beginning of my spiritual journey which is something that Christians don't often talk about. A lot of us like to talk about this miraculous transformation where we got saved and we never did anything wrong again. That was certainly not my walk. Uh, I was tugging against the direction God wanted me to go to, and uh, there were times I was very disobedient, did things he uh, certainly was disappointed in me, but I've been on a spiritual journey ever since then of discovery and growth, and uh, the more I live on this earth, the stronger I get in my faith. What's your favorite verse, your life verse, so to speak? You know, I don't know if I could really boil it down to one. Uh, of course, uh, John 3.16, it's probably got to be, to me, the most powerful uh, uh, verse in the Bible. But, you know, it's, it's tough to, to boil it down to one because life is a journey. And as you go through the journey, there's different seasons in your life. So yeah. there's always going to be, it's going to reapply. You know, it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be different for every season you face. So, you know, I really couldn't boil it down to one, but of course, John three sixteen is going to be uh, right up there at the top. All right. Well, everyone knows that verse, obviously, and it applies to all of us, no matter. That's what right. We are, who That's we are. right. What makes you stand so bold in your faith? And anyone that knows you, I've been with you in multiple meetings now. I have seen you firsthand, not just on television, 
but I have seen you and you take a bold stand many times more bold than many pastors what makes you do that well you know I think if you, if you, if you proclaim to be a Christian and you don't have the faith to stand boldly uh, before uh, before men uh, you're not much of a Christian really I think guys this is my opinion uh, Christianity comes down to faith whether or not you believe that God is sovereign over your life and he holds your life in your hand and whether or not he will protect you and provide for you and that whether or not you succeed on this earth, if you are succeeding for him, that you have succeeded indeed. And that's the reason why I have no qualms about standing up for my faith and I'm not going to back down on that, one, on that issue uh, because, you know, the things of the world are, Everything on this earth is going to fall at some point. Everything on this earth isn't going to be no more. But your your soul is eternal, and it's going to spend one or two places, spend all that eternity in one one or two places. And so, when it comes time to uh, stand up for the faith that we believe in, and stand up for uh, for for uh, the God who is the author of our faith. Uh, there's no question we're going to stand firmly with him at all times. And uh, I think, sadly, that's what's lacking uh, within our within our faith right now, people who are willing to stand up at, at, at every at every juncture uh, and not be afraid. Which brings me into my segues into the next question here. If you were speaking to a thousand young people, just give me a few items, a couple items, that uh, you might tell them to do right, even if they lost their head like John the Baptist. And I believe John the Baptist is probably one of your one of your favorite characters. Am I am I correct? Yes, yes. So, what would you tell them to give them some reasons to stand up for truth, stand up for what's right, stand up against this delusional thinking? Uh, just the reason that I just that I just say it because. What we speak of when we, we're talking about our faith is eternal. Right. You know, I was thinking about this earlier today. Uh, you know, uh, love is eternal. Uh, the love that I have for my wife, the love that I've had for my children, uh, the love that I have for my friends is eternal because when you have true love for somebody, <coughs> excuse me, when you have true love for someone, it trans transfers from your uh, from your uh, from your outer being to your to your inner being, which is your soul, and your soul lasts forever. So these things are eternal. And uh, when we're talking about standing up for eternal principles and standing up for the beliefs that deter determine the direction of our eternal souls, we have to take those things serious. And uh, again, that's why we should not be afraid uh, to stand up for what's right. And when it comes to young people, you know, a lot of people tell me, "Oh, you're." A, very courageous because I'm a so-called uh, black conservative. I'm a, a black Christian conservative. But I'm going to tell you who has it the toughest now in our society, and it's young people. Uh, everybody tells young people who they need to be, the school teacher, the, the, the mass media, the people on MTV, the people in the commercials. They're all telling young people who they need to be. And when they're not being who they need to be, they're roundly dismissed and, and, and derided and picked on and bullied. Uh, and it's very tough to stand up for your principles when you're a young person. Uh, but uh, that's one of the reasons why we need to encourage the youth in this country to stand up firmly for what they believe in and, and, and encourage Christian youth to stand up for what they believe in because uh, their rights have been given to them by their creator and their rights are affirmed to them by the Constitution. And so we need to always remind them to stand strong because the principles that we stand strong on are principles of the eternal, not just the earthly.
Speaking of taking a stand, uh, you've come out very strongly, and rightly so, as we all do on our side of the fence, if you will, of conservative people, uh, abortion. And there's deep speculation that Roe versus Wade is going to be reversed or overturned by the United States Supreme Court. And we've got to make the distinction here that based upon that leaked opinion, it does state that it should be overturned, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be outlawed in the country. What that means is it's going to be kicked back to the states to make that decision. What advice, and, and by constitution of this state, you are the president of the North Carolina Senate, what advice would you give to the House and Senate of the General Assembly right now, right now, in May 24th, 2022? Well, I think everybody knows it is my desire to see that North Carolina uh, has a system that does not allow birth control as a method of uh, of birth control, which is what we're really fighting against. You know, everybody likes to talk about rape and incest. That's a very small percentage of those procedures. What we have set up now because of Roe v. Wade is a system where abortion is used as uh, birth control. And uh, I think that North Carolina needs to set its sights on being a state where uh, the whole country, the entire the entire nation, the entire world knows that North Carolina is fighting uh, for life, that we stand up firmly for life. Now, what, what would our position look like when it comes to that? I do not know. Uh, you know, that conversation is, is going to uh, have to take place. And as you know, there's a myriad of opinions on that. Yeah. Uh, but from my position I, I and, and for what I believe, I'm going to do everything that I can to stand up for life and protect life as much as as much as uh, legally and humanly possible in this state. Again, the issue is uh, one that uh, touches religion. It touches the law. It touches the legislature. So the conversation around it is going to be uh, a long, uh, contentious one. Um, and that, uh, in that contentious fight is going to be uh, uh, the voice for the unborn to stand up to make sure that every North, Carolina, North Carolinian has the right to be born uh, safely in, uh, in the state. Would you support a, uh, I guess what's called a trigger bill, just to go ahead and have something in place, um, such as the, uh, I've recently done interviews with several people in Texas concerning the uh, Texas uh, heartbeat law, and uh, uh, many people are calling for that law to be mirrored across the, across the, the, the uh, United States because it, it is very detailed, um, and it would serve as a trigger bill I guess I guess I'm asking you without putting words in your mouth. Would you support our legislature right now working on this being preemptive? I think the conversation needs to start right now. Uh, I, I definitely think the conversation needs to start right now. How the what the conversation looks like, I wouldn't be willing to say at this time. Yeah, if we had a Governor Robinson in the uh, governor's mansion right now, and I know you have to be careful, but. Uh, you know, I'm very respective of you. Um, how would you react if this was all of a sudden kicked back to uh, North Carolina for a decision? You know, uh, I cannot say, Alan, and I would not say it this time, you know. It's like that old question. If you had a million dollars cash right now, what would you do with it? 
<laughs> you know, what, what would you do with it? You could sit here in this chair and say, well, I would buy this or I would buy that or I would do this. But until you actually have that in front of you, yeah. uh, you, you don't know. And again, um, there are 10 and a half million people in this state. And uh, as a representative of those 10 and a half million people, you have to take into consideration the voices who don't agree with you. And you have to listen to those people. Whether you're ever going to agree with them or not, you have to listen to them. Uh, anything other than that would not be fair. Uh, so uh, to make a rash decision based on my own opinion, uh, on one's own own opinion, would not be wise. Did and me, so I, I cannot, I cannot say exactly what it would look like, but I can tell you this. I would, I would fight to ensure that North Carolina is uh, a pro-life state. We know that. We believe that. Didn't mean to act like a CNN reporter and try to back you into No, sir. There. No, sir. I appreciate uh, the question. But, I certainly uh, appreciate the question. We certainly know how you feel and, and uh, how you have come to that because of your faith and because yes. of the Bible. We believe the Bible is the Word of God. And so Absolutely. there are citizens in this state that don't. So yeah, That's right. their voice has to be heard. But you know, at the end of the day, we appreciate what you have stood on. Absolutely. To my last segment as far as... Uh, North Carolina Public Schools, our budget is 52%, uh, I think, the last time I looked at it as a state, and that heads toward uh, education. I've done plenty of interviews and uh, of, of board candidates, and we've seen those candidates win, and they've attributed it to some of our interviews, and we're thankful for that. But North Carolina Public Schools, if it was a business, I would shut it down, and that's just me speaking. Uh, it's just not working as is with all the pornography and everything. And you and I have talked about that. Uh, we know your stand. You certainly came out and highlighted this uh, by virtue of your office almost immediately after you were inaugurated. And you pointed these things out that what was actually in the libraries of our students and they had access to. Many people did not know until you actually brought it out and published your facts report. Um, so you've made your message known about those inappropriate materials. Having said all that, what's your advice to parents? How can they make a difference in this? My advice to parents is to get involved with your children's education because your children's education will determine largely uh, how much success they have in life. We have an absolute duty as parents to know where we're sending our children to school, who their teachers are, what they're learning, uh, and uh, to respond to that. I think one of the greatest wake-up calls we're seeing in this country right now is parents getting involved with school boards. The school boards should not be a closed entity that, that are an almighty government institution decide how your children are educated. Uh, it should be, uh, the school board should be a should be representatives of the parents, and, and it seems that that's the exact opposite is happening. And let me say this also, I've said this a hundred times, you know, we talk about uh, our founding documents of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I believe that the only way to pursue happiness is through, uh, the, or the beginning of the pursuit of happiness, is through a quality education of some sort. Uh, and that's why it is so important for us to get back to what works in education. The most uh, egregious statistic in this state right now is the fact that we spend 52% of a $26 million budget on education and our children are not reading on a grade level. That is egregious. 
And then on top of that, you add in all the pornography and all the other things that we see going on. But that one statistic alone should be a wake-up call to parents and anyone else who cares about the education of North Carolina's children's children to get involved in this process and to get education back to a place where we're doing the right thing for our children. I submit to you that right now we are not. I think you just led into and even answered our next question. That was, I was going to ask you what can every North Carolinian do in the fight, and that's just get involved. Whether you have children or not, get involved. These are your children. These are our next generation. And uh, this is our tax money. Everyone pays taxes. So we should be concerned about not only how the money's spent, but the product, the child, the graduates that we're putting out. They must have the best, and they're not that getting it. That's exactly right. An informed electorate, an engaged electorate is a powerful electorate. People across the board love to say they don't do politics. Well, if you don't do politics, politics will do you. Look, if you got a kid in school, you're politics. If you want to own a gun, politics. If you uh, have a job, there's politics. If you die, there's politics. Uh, if you are a soldier serving in the army, it's politics. If uh, you're a police officer, it's politics. Politics touches every aspect of our lives. In a representative government, in, in a constitutional republic, the driver must be the electorate. It is time for folks to get involved in this process and be that powerful driving force to make sure that the, the ship is going in the right direction. One last question. Is that how you came to get involved? You saw the need. You saw what could be. You seen what was happening. Uh, can you close out with what made you get involved? What, what made me get involved in politics overall was I had, number one, I had my eyes opened up to uh, what my political beliefs were. And number two, how important it is for me to get into the process and share those beliefs to make sure that we maintain our freedoms and that we maintain our constitutional republic. Uh, uh, just as I said, if we don't do that as people, as free people, uh, you know, we, we, we love our rights. We all love our rights and we all stand up and we want to fight for our rights. The best way that you can fight for your rights, and this is something that I learned uh, uh, in, in life when I first got in this, the best way you can fight for your rights is by being responsible. Uh -huh. And that responsibility means being engaged in the process that is going to determine whether or not your rights continue to succeed or whether or not we're going to shift over into a nation that's full of uh, you know, into socialism, quite frankly, and, and into a, a system where uh, people in ivory towers make the decisions for us. That's not how it's supposed to work. The citizenry is supposed to be in charge. And the only way that happens is if we get involved. Exactly. It's been a joy to have our lieutenant governor join us today. We've looked forward to it for quite some time. He's very busy. Uh, we promise not to take much of his time, and we certainly thank you, sir, for uh, being a part of this interview. We love you, we appreciate everything you're doing, we support you, and we pray for you constantly. Thank you, sir, we appreciate it, it was great to be here.